This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning. Professor Ward Scott here in the Manly Warthog Man Cave here in the Piney Woods of North Central Florida in God's country. And uh, welcome to our show today. We always love doing our Thursday show with Dance Alive National Ballet which uh, you know I'm a big supporter of the arts, and we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. Um, We are, of course, uh, in the Mellon Law Studio, protected 24-7 by crime prevention, and we have our great sponsors here on our construction on-the-spot cleaners, um, uh, style cuts, you name it. We feature them at the bottom of the hour, as you know. Um, Dance Alive National Ballet is a fantastic organization. It's been around this community primarily because of two sisters who have kept it going from uh, sunup, and it's certainly not anywhere near sundown. In fact, the sun is rising again on Dance Alive National Ballet because uh, through a great board of trustees that is shepherding and helping uh, Kim uh, Tuttle and Judy Skinner, who is our guest today, Judy Skinner, we are really working a way to establish an arts center in uh, this community that will feature many, many, uh, uh, be the focus point of many, many of the artists in this community not just exclusively dance, but also uh, our painters and our musicians, et cetera. It's an exciting thing to be a part of. I'm proud to be a part of it and to help out. And today we have uh, Judy Skinner with us, who is the executive administrator of Dance Alive National Ballet, which if you translate it means jack of all trades or Jackie (laughs) Jackie of all trades, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Judy of all trades. Uh, She really writes grants as she keeps the lights burning. Uh, they make costumes, you name it, whatever needs to be done, she gets it done. And uh, we've got her on the show today to talk about this exciting project that's coming to our community. And I'm going to get out of the way and let introduce Judy to you and let her bring us up to date. And by the way, she just got back from Fort Lauderdale with the Dance Alive organization. I want to hear about that, too. So, Judy, welcome to the show this morning. And you got the floor. Thank you for having me. Um Part of it is that, you know, you you said I'm writing grants. Well, now we have a grants person. And part of that was Kim and I realizing that there is a legacy and we wanted to make sure that continued on. Uh, At this point in time, I'm, what am I, 78 and she's 72. And this is a very um, important arts organization. We wanted the mission of the organization, the service to community, to continue um, beyond us. Um, And Kim has really been the driving force on that. And at at this point in time, you know, we have a property. um, And we were looking for a property that would fit into the community where we could build what was necessary so we could do all the programming we wanted. As you well know, Kim is a musician as well, and and that's a passion for her. For me, kind of visual arts. um, So so looking at what we wanted, we wanted this art center to indeed be an art center that would serve the community, that would provide classroom space for dance, would provide music rooms for music instruction. And as we looked at it, we thought, okay, there's got to be more. So there will be an art gallery. There will be a black box and the black box will provide for other um, agencies or groups to perform. It's um, we know that we have some nice, wonderful, big spaces, but there is is a, a need for additional performance spaces for poets, for musicians, for artists. Kim envisions plein air painting out in in this wonderful space behind behind the art center. Um, We've had major gifts 
um, which has enabled us to to find the space that we were looking for. Um, we've had incredible um, help with um, architects and builders that are guiding us along the way. Um, two major gifts are Barbara Ascani and and um, Gary Ascani, and they are the the lobby is they are going to be funding that part of the building. Um, the gorgeous person in front of me, <laughs> Warren Scott and and Barbara, they have a, a you. You all know that that they have a large investment in this community. Um, they have been their major part of it, and so they have generously um, um, decided to fund the art gallery part of this this uh, venue. And for me, I, you know, Ward knows I I love art. I have. I have Lenny Kessel art. I have my one of my first ballets. I, I talked to Lenny and I have this music. And he said, okay, he'd like that. Came into the studio and I brought these panels, these foam board panels, eight by four panels. And he did this amazing mural, a very it was Lenny Kessel mural, right? And and we did this way back when, when there was not any facility really. We performed Gainesville High School. And there was a, a black curtain, and and I hung it as though it were in a gallery. And the dancers were all wearing unitards in different primary colors. So it's as though they were the crayons. And those of you that know Lenny's artwork know that oftentimes it's white, and there's a swash of blue, and then there's <laughs> the sun in the sky, and there's a dromedary, and then the camels, and the, you know. So that, that was that piece. Um, and it is now my uh, dining room wall because there was another, not another place to store it. Um, I have, you know, Celia Cade's work, um, some beautiful work. Uh, Hiram Williams, who's he designed the initial logo for the studio, the Poe Fall Studio. That was his design. So we have these. Um, uh, oh gosh, I've forgotten the name of the the Olympian. He, he was an Olympian walker and one of the few Americans that placed in the Olympics. And we were associated with art of the Olympians um, down in uh, Fort Myers. And we brought him in to do this as one of our artists. We designed work around these, these artists. And it's this huge bronze sculpture that's called Tango. And Paul Costanza, who's another artist, a very good friend, um, worked with the artist to do this um, foam. It's a replica of it. Absolutely gorgeous. It was down at the art at the museum down in uh, Fort Myers for a while and then featured at the airport. And now it's back with us and it's going to be uh, probably in the lobby. So th this, this facility you know, we'll provide performance space, uh, dance spaces, music spaces. We've already had three grand pianos donated. And we have some major, major wonderful people that are recognizable, that are interested in doing classes there. But with the room, it allows us to do so much more of the outreach that we really want to do that we're not able to do at the moment. Um, right now, the, the space that we use, the studio space, is busy from nine o'clock to nine o'clock virtually with no extra time. So this will allow us to do so much more. Um, there will be some, some catering space facilities. So people that want to come in and do that kind of event will be able to do it. So needless to say, we're really, really excited. Um, we've, we're, we're major beginning to our major, you know, campaign to generate the funding for it. And we have some um, incredible, incredible gifts from a lot of wonderful people. Well, that's a wonderful summation, Judy. Now, excitement in your voice is obviously difficult to contain uh, because this has been a, a dream project for you listeners who are not quite in our circle as tightly as we are. Um, we've been looking, um, when I say we, uh, 
um, some of us on the board and some people just uh, supporters for quite a number of years now for a place where this could be put. And, you know, if you believe the Lord works in mysterious ways, we came across a piece of property owned by a church. And really, it was an ideal location. We'll talk about that location. And um, we, I think we were, quote unquote, uh, I don't want to be cliches here, but we're uh, a match made in heaven because there are a lot of things this property could have been used for that would have been rather typical uh, Gainesville development, if you will, apartments and this and that. But really, the church was not really all of that excited about that. We came along and uh, the church said, boy, this is exactly what we would like to have happen here. Uh, let's talk about where that is, uh, Judy. It's a wonderful location. I bet you people have never noticed this as they pass by it. They pass by it every day and probably uh, don't recognize what's back there. Do you want to spill the beans on that? <laughs> Well, you know, one of one of our concerns was making sure it was accessible, accessible to all areas of our community, east side, west side, north, south, you know, would be people be able to access. We wanted that accessibility. Um, and there was a piece of property that Kim, the artistic director, keeps driving by and wishing for and pursued it. Um, the corner of uh, northwest. 39th Avenue and 34th Street. There's this absolutely beautiful piece of property um, with uh, pine woods around it and then this clear piece of property. Um, and she did some investigating and it belonged to the church there. Um, they were interested in, in the potential of, of, of selling it, but it had to be for the right purpose, that it would serve the community, um, that it would meet also with their purpose and mission. Um, so we we spent a long time, actually, Kim and uh, James Roberts, who's working there, spent a lot of time talking to and working with um, the church. Um, everybody had to agree. Um, so we were looking for we had common goals and, and um, for us, it's an absolute joy. There are um, the trees around it. So there's a buffer zone. Um, it's, it's accessible. Um, it, it meets everything the city would want. We've gone through that and, and it's a part of the neighborhood but there's enough distance, so it it all works. Um, so we, every time we drive by it, it's like, okay, let's what's the next step? Where are we going next? Yeah. And, and you know, you you meet with the city planners and everybody, and they've been incredibly um, helpful. Um, everybody has just been really supportive, and and um, well, it's uh, not to sound so. Uh, blase, but uh, what's not to like? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. what's not to like? Here's, yeah. here's an organization that has uh, got all sorts of credibility with you and your sister. You've been around forever. I don't mean that in a bad way. Of course, we've all been around hey. forever. Yep. But, I mean, you've stuck with this. This has been what you've done. This is your calling. Uh, this is what you've contributed to the community. You taught people who are now, you're teaching the children of the children of the children. Yes. Um, I mean, really, three generations, I bet you, you, you've touched of children. People bring their children to you to learn. They know the children are not going to make the NFL, so to speak, of ballet, but they're going to learn the discipline of ballet. They're going to learn the joy of, of all that uh, is there to be. It's a wonderful uh, uh, event that happens with young people. Um, and you've got that track record. I think it's just a matter now of us getting the word out, which this show is doing. Uh, we're going to be on a fundraising campaign here. I think we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, it's going to take some money. We've got some contributors, uh, but we're going to need some more contributors. So we're going to be ramping that up. Um, but there's really, uh, and Kim just has chatted in here. My sister is amazing. So you know, Kim is <laughs> saying you're amazing. Uh, 
<laughs> I have to tell you, Ward, uh, we, we just got back from um, Fort Lauderdale down at Broward Center. We've been, uh, Broward County Schools have brought us in for the last 20 years um, doing school shows. Um, they, it is, what we bring down is the most popular thing that they have going in their SEAS program, which is a, um, it's arts program, basically. Um, you have to provide curriculum material, et cetera. They had a new person there this year that came in that I met and, uh, he was saying, okay, I've got to do this. And, and Andy, who's the assistant artistic director was, was there and running the show and calling cues and whatnot. And he said, no, whatever you need to do is fine. And, and yes, the children can talk and clap. It's interactive. And, um, he, the person in charge said he was absolutely amazed after the first show. Um, he said, you have no idea this. I, I've never seen the children respond this way. Um, it was just a joyous occasion. Um, they had, they brought in artists to watch the program. And then they took a select group of kids. I think they had about a hundred children they took back. And they talked about what they saw and how the characters um, made were dancing, but also made movements that the frog looked like a frog. And what did he do? Those kinds of things. So, you know, that was one part of it. The other part of it is that we took some of our advanced students down to do the, the tap dancing caterpillar and the, the, the ferocious ants. And it was so... Uh, rewarding to watch them perform, go back and study because some of them are in high school, focus on that, then come back and perform again. And I rode back in the van with 10 people and three of them are, are pursuing further academic degrees and they were on their computers studying as well. So you talked about the discipline and the focus. Um, the arts do that. Um, the person that I was dealing with down there at, at Broward with their arts program, um, they said they have put in place arts programming and their B, their D schools within a year became B-schools. They didn't get funding uh, this past year and they are continuing with the program anyway because of the value for the students and the community and our culture. So um, it was exciting. It was exciting to see the response of the students. It was exciting to see the dancers focus and it, it was exciting to see fellow arts educators talk about the value of, of arts. And that's one of the things that this, this center will help us do. It will give us the time and the space to do the kinds of outreach programming that we really want to do. Well, we have a couple of questions here. Um, one, what was the show? Ladybug action hero. <laughs> Ladybug action hero. And how did you wind up in Fort Lauderdale? You know, one would think, gee, many Christmas, they're from Alachua County. What's Broward County doing? Uh, can you explain that relationship? The C's program down in Broward at Broward County Schools is one of the strongest arts programming in the States. It's, re it's received all kinds of awards nationally. And, um, I can't remember who it was that was down there that said they had seen our work, seen what we do with, with our education and said you needed to contact those people. So it's done kind of as a proposal, grant proposal. You send what you will do. Um, you send them curriculum. They look, evaluate your curriculum and how it ties to what the state's looking for, um, what value you have. Um, and then they contact us. So every year they contact us. We send in a proposal. Um, and for the 20 years, we've been going down there. Sometimes we do eight programs when we're down there, sometimes four. Um, we'll do two programs a day. 
um, during COVID, we um, went virtual. And what we did was um, we ended up doing a program for, they were looking for middle and high school. So we did a program from seas to, from sea to sky because Kim had done this wonderful ballet constellation with uh, uh, music with Stella Song, who's phenomenal composer, internationally recognized. And I had done one called Oceana with, again, Stella's work. And the, the Ocean Project dealt with noise pollution and how it impacted our oceans. And then both of them had um, visuals. Um, so um, we sent that material. I wrote curriculum for both of them, which was really a stretch for me. I could handle the <laughs> part of the science, you know, but when you looked at, at the skies, it was like, whoa, I needed some help on that. But we, we presented that and that was picked up for two years. So that, that, you know, but what they really want is they want the kids to be able to come in and, and see it live. And I think um, that's, that has been the most popular one because, you know, Ladybug is all, is so small, but oh, so brave of heart. And there are all kinds of, of things that it relates to looking out for your friends, supporting one another, uh, being brave, um, uh, not, 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 not letting somebody bully you, trying to help them become part of, of what you want. So all of the things that happen in it are those positive kinds of things that you want kids to relate to. Um, and it it's interactive. I mean, the, the performers are out in the audience and come back. And um, we will be doing that in Gainesville uh, the 17th of February It's as a school show. And I believe that that's pretty much sold out. It's just, you know, it's, it's just a charming show. Um, written by Tim Tuttle. The book is out. Uh, Catherine Bloomfield, another friend, did the illustrations. And so the wow. costumes are all built around... Catherine's illustrations. That is marvelous. I didn't know the author. And, uh, yep. yeah. you know, and we're talking about children and how dance uh, connects. If you're just tuning in with Junie Skinner, who is the executive administrator, which is really uh, do everything. It's necessary. The general flunky. <laughs> the general flunky. Yeah. Dance Alive National Ballet and the Pope Paul Studios. So um, the educational part of the arts really for many people is underappreciated, I would hypothesize here. Um, uh, one thinks that uh, in order to get somewhere in the world, one must have some sort of specialized training and, and uh, you know, uh, crunch numbers or this or that. But the arts are synthesis. It takes in, uh, pulls everything together. There are no silos of learning in art. And uh, the artist truly connects all the dots, if you will, and puts it into one uh, mosaic. That's the way I've always thought of it, Judy. Uh, correct me if I'm out on the limb there, but uh, I'll buy it. I'll buy it. I, you know, it, it's it, one of um, I can't remember who it was, was was just saying, you know, talking if impact it it has made in in you know if you want to lock it down in the economy how it impacts us in that way, how it impacts learning. I mean, you know, it's all interconnected. Um, and as Kim is so fond of saying, it's, it's about our humanity. It, what, it's what makes us human. Um, so, I, you know, I've been well, one of the things I'm, all my life. So. One of the things I'm particularly proud of is um, bringing, help bringing the arts to the city of Alachua because you know, the, 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 the powers that be in Alachua picked up on this right away. Uh, you're going to have a great community, and Alachua in many ways is on the cutting edge of being great, has a lot of technical uh, innovation yep. people there, yep. a lot of young entrepreneurs, a stronger and stronger chamber of commerce. And um, what was missing was the arts, as far as I could tell. And it was immediately embraced. And let's talk just for a moment. Uh, we got about five minutes left, Judy. What you've been able to do at Legacy Park, um, even on a cold night. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I am not, you know, 
I think it's it's the you know farsightedness of the powers that be there, but um, they they were interested in us coming and doing something at Legacy Park. We did you know performances there. Um, we they wanted Nutcracker, so we did Nutcracker under the stars the first year, and it was absolutely absolutely wonderful started misting near the end and we were kind of slipping and sliding but it was it was an amazing experience um uh, then we started doing a, a a few additional we did a meet the dancers out out uh, in Alachua um and that was extremely well received by a number of people and it kind of um kind of pushed in a different direction um there was an interest in the possibility of after-school classes. And fortunately, we have this um, Emily Posek-Dixon now. She's married. Um, really, really good at outreach activities. And so she began doing classes, after-school classes. Um, they were so successful the first year um, that we continued again this year. And there, there's no cost for the kids. Um, so this year when we did the Nutcracker Under the Stars, there was kind of a, a mini performance for a number of, of those kids. And that was, I think, very meaningful for them and certainly for their parents. Um, but for us, the opportunity, it, even when it rained the one time and we ended up having to move the whole production inside, um, it's been a wonderful opportunity to touch more people in a different way. Um, so we have this this nice kind of relationship now where we can um, we're comfortable there. They're comfortable for us, and it it really feels good to be a part of of what's happening there. And we also have our gala there, uh, <laughs> uh, our Dancing with the Stars, which we'll no doubt uh, uh, pick up on and have a feature again, but. My favorite image of the outdoor use of the dance and, and connecting is looking at all the parents who have brought their lawn chairs and their blankets and their kids and have settled in uh, for the for the experience. And the field is covered uh, with people sitting in there. Uh, you know, it's like a big outdoor picnic. And it's wonderful. Uh, it's a fantastic place. And if uh, you listeners or viewers have not been the Legacy Park in the city of Alachua. Uh, you look up at the heavens, you'll see the stars, you'll you'll see all the great uh, rolling land that we have here in the city of Alachua. And of course, uh, I want to thank the visionaries who uh, were wise enough, and I, I happen to be fortunate enough to be in on the ground floor of all this years ago. Um, and I was in charge of economic uh, element of the comprehensive plan and uh, I made trips to different cities and I picked up on the vibes from those places and brought it back to the city fathers and mothers, if you will, of the city commission. And they saw it and recognized it. And it was, um, I want to give a shout out to the city manager at that time, who's now the sheriff. Uh, Clovis Watson Jr. was the city manager then. And he shepherded much of what you see in Alachua. Um, and now is the sheriff. So um, there's a lot of things that uh, I've been, you know, I've enjoyed connecting these people. <laughs> That's basically all I do is connect people. Uh, and then you all so good at it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got at the bottom of the hour and it's been so nice to talk to you. And, uh, you know, we'll talk again soon. I'm sure I'm all excited about our project and uh, we'll be moving along with that. And uh, I think uh, Kim put on some Come See Dance Alive Ballet's next program, Horse of a Different Color. <laughs> Saturday, February 18th, 7.30 p.m. at the Phillips Performing Center. Okay. It uh, is. It's going to, it, it's just absolutely amazing. Between the, the dancers and the choreography and the music, it, it's looking at, at different, it's totally diverse in an amazing, exciting way. I mean, it's, it's just, you know. I mean, I, I'm very much looking forward to that. Judy, it's been a great talking to you. Thanks for coming on this morning. I know you've got a busy day ahead. You and your sister are never idle. It's <laughs> amazing how much energy you have. So um, thanks so much. We're going to take a break now at the bottom of the hour for 
our weather and our sponsors. Be right back with the second half of the program. Thank you, Judy. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All bees poop. The warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to War Scott Files here. We got our weather report here at the bottom of the hour. Thank you, Lewis Oil. Wendell Lewis, great supporter of the show. Ward's weather. Well, it's really not Ward's weather. I report the weather, but uh, I uh, think we have a little nippy morning here in the piney woods of north central Florida in God's country. It's about 46 degrees right now. It's going to probably get up to about 60. We had a storm come through yesterday, and in our parts, we actually lost power, primarily due to the wind, which was very, very strong. And we know the damage it has done uh, in other parts of our country with our neighboring states and some of our cities. Uh, The tornadoes. They have been really destructive. The Houston area tornado victims have been badly shaken by the destructive tornadoes. We've got a severe weather danger marching across the uh, southern U.S. and winding on up into the northeastern part of the state of the country. Um, we got an uh, Alberta clipper dropping snow in Chicago and Detroit. So call it a winter. Uh, we have so many colliding weather systems in winter in our continent, and these always create turbulence of some form or another. Fortunately, we just missed the tail end of it here uh, in our area in uh, Alachua and Gainesville in north central Florida. But it zipped right through the panhandle and on through Georgia. So uh, take care of you all there and and uh, hopefully you dodge some of the worst of this. There's nothing it seems more destructive than a whirlwind tornado coming through with 150, 60, 80 mile an hour winds that just have um, some of the most destructive power of anything in the natural world. So take care of yourself. I think we're going to have a delightful day, but we'll dip down into the 30s tonight. So if you like your fire pace uh, going, you'll probably get a chance to do it tonight. We got Bob Ganzak with us now. I'm very interested in what Bob is associated with. That's the Dale Carnegie course. Um, I'm sure many of you over the years have heard of the Dale Carnegie course, but it's not surprising. I bet very few of you know much about it. And so what we're going to be doing in the next half an hour, if you want to chat with me, Put in a comment here and we'll pass it along to Bob. 
Uh, the Dale Carnegie course has helped so many people get over the jitters, I guess, and become confident in facing people. Uh, I just had an experience with this, Bob. I, I, had a, I was at a banquet the other night for the University of Florida women's basketball team. And Bob, I was so surprised. Here these ladies are, um, outstanding athletes uh, and stars in their own right. And they were asked to get up in front of our group, which was not that large, Bob, and tell the story about themselves. And they were tongue-tied. So let's start with that. What do you? What can you do for them, Bob? <laughs> that happens. Uh, it, it's amazing when we hit week one of that program, Ward. It's amazing to me how many individuals are like that. All different types of uh, places in their lives, not just young college athletes, which there's a lot of college students that don't have that confidence to stand up and and say something. But I'm talking about CEOs or engineers. Individuals like that, that first evening, all they have to do is stand up and give their name and struggle <laughs> with that. And, and, and helping them build that confidence is what we do. So what happens, I, I believe what happens is we get into our mind. We start thinking about where we are and, and that people are looking at us and, and we become like dug into our brain Instead of just speaking from your heart and sharing with the audience. So it's a common thing all the time. I, I get nervous. Uh, I spoke at uh, University of North Florida on Tuesday to a class. And standing on the side before I was introduced, yeah, those those butterflies start going. But we kind of learn how to put them in formation so they fly more smoothly. <laughs> well, let's talk about that. Did you yourself go through a Dale Carnegie course? In 1991. Uh, 1991. I, I was uh, just named general manager of a radio station. I had been sales manager there, and I was named general manager of the radio station up in Michigan. And I discovered I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> it was like... I knew how to talk to salespeople, how to train salespeople, how to motivate them, how to move them from where they were to where they needed to be. But now I had engineers and programming in front office. I had part-time people, full-time people, people older than me, people a lot younger than me. And I was just like challenged. And a boss of mine back in my first radio station had bought me the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which I had read a couple of times. So I immediately went to that because the class is built, you know, structured off of that. And I enrolled in the class, paid for it myself, became a client of theirs for 16 years. And and it, it just huge impact on my life. Huge well, how many people enrolled in your course now? I know you have you have a full enrollment right now and let's talk about what you're doing here in the community. Well we have a program coming up February seventh and uh it, it's Tuesday night starts from six o'clock, one night a week for eight weeks, six to nine thirty. And we probably have right now 20, 22 people in there. I'd like to see it right around 30. So we have some seats available to, to put in there. Uh, and, you know, it is that core Dale Carnegie course. It's, it's the eight week Dale Carnegie skills for success where you talk about building confidence, people skills, communication, leadership, and, and managing our attitudes as far as stress and worry are concerned. So that's the core of what the program is. Well, boy, that man managing the anxieties, I'm, I'm sure would be one of the, if you have the manage, magic uh, bullet for that, you're really helping people. I know even as much public speaking as I've done, there's always that anticipation when you get up in front of people uh, that you just sort of lose uh, the objectivity on yourself if you haven't really practiced what you're doing and you've sort of been in the cockpit all the time, landing on the on the aircraft carrier. You know, it's uh, you can train yourself, I think, to be able to handle it. But um, you know, once again, it's a lot of experience. It's a lot of uh, of uh, nerve involved in overcoming your butterflies. You know, the the component of public speaking. It's really not a public speaking class, this program, yet if if you want to learn public speaking, I, I couldn't think of a better way to, to do it. 
you know, then through this class. You learn that, how to overcome that ward within the program. But the stress management and worry is also in your home life, in your business life, in your personal uh, conversations with other people. Uh, I've always told people first night of the class that you know, this is going to help you be a, a better whatever you do for a living. But it's also going to help you be a better parent, son, daughter, brother, sister, friend. They're just those main key components of interactions with other people that we take for granted or we think we know, but we really don't know how to apply them. And it's, uh, you know, that's where the program is. Well, let's take a fictional person and start them through the course. How would that go? How many weeks would it run? You say eight weeks? It's eight weeks. One night a week for three hours. But they. Right. So, so I have a, we have hypothetical person A. Um, how does Sally go through the course? Well, the first thing they do is they go to uh, jacksonville.dalecarnegie.com and register. It's uh, when you go to the website, there's a little up right here. There's just a little button to click on that said, find a course. You find one in Gainesville and you go ahead and register to sign up. And I will contact you before the program starts, get you acclimated. All of our materials are in a portal. You get access to that portal for an entire year. There's many other things in there other than just the the class itself. There's videos to watch that can help you in different areas, all free as part of your enrollment fee. And then you come the first night. We interact with the other people. The first evening, we, we really learn how to focus on breakthroughs and setting a vision for ourselves. And a big part of it is remembering people's names. Oh, so yeah. To that room. And there's 30 people in there. Oh, yeah. How am I going to remember all their names? Yeah. And you will be amazed at how many people remember everybody's name at the end of that night, first and last. And we give them a system of how to do that. And uh, then you... You just start rolling through the weeks. And, and the basis of the class, Ward, is that you learn something on one night. Then you go use it in your life that week. And you come back and tell us about it the next week. And when you tell us about it, it's a very structured way of doing that, which you're taught. But that's the premise of the program. So, so people that are putting individuals in the class, managers and business owners that are putting people in the class, don't have to wait for eight weeks to get a result. They start seeing progress in week one because the people are practicing what they do as part of the class. Well, that's pretty interesting. You know, um, uh, I had a mother who, <laughs> one of the things I had to do before I could go out and play was to stand in front of her and recite poetry. And <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. and and and, and uh, I always used to think, well, what the heck is this for, Maul? You know, but by the time I was a kid, I was winning public speaking contests because my mother was a pretty stern teacher about this, you know, and I had to get the uh, rhythm of the poem down according to the uh, syllables of, of the work and and uh, enunciate well, and 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 then I got to go out and play. <laughs> That's great, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> From is that what's got, what got you into radio? Well, you know, it's interesting what got me into radio. Uh, um, I was kind of a part-time guy who came into an existing show, but I had some research I'd done because I was a college professor and, and uh, I, I knew how to investigate. And so I had some investigative reporting. And so the, the, um, the, the guys on the show said, come on in and be on the show with us. And, and, uh, share what you found and that became kind of engaging people listened to it and i kind of got to be known and um then the the station was uh sold and you know how this is in radio uh it was a going talk show um, um all day long uh russ limbaugh was on it later hannity you know and we had this local show called talk of the town 
And a guy in Fort Lauderdale owned the station. He sold it to a guy in New York. And the guy in New York abruptly changed it to electronic music. <laughs> so, you know, I, you know, I was off the air, so to speak. And one day there was a call that came from a, a radio talent scout consultant that the owner of a station had hired because he wanted to start a talk radio show. And uh, this guy in Pittsburgh called me and he said, hey, you know, we're looking for somebody. We've been listening to you. Can we talk to you about it? I thought, wow, you've been listening to me and you're in Pittsburgh. What's going on here, man? So the guy came down to Gainesville and I talked to him. And I said, why do you want me to do a talk show? And I don't know, this might resonate with you, Bob. He said, well, there are three things that we look for in a talk show host. He said, a number one is you have to be a great storyteller. And you are a great storyteller. It just no problem. You tell a story. When you talk, you basically talk in stories. He said, number two, we want passion and you have passion. And he says, the last thing you have to have is a knowledge of the subject. <laughs> because you can have the knowledge of the subject and be dry as toast and nobody's going to listen to you, you know. And so that's how it started, you know. And then uh, we went away from went to that. And then that owner sold <laughs> that programming. Uh, to, you know, it's difficult to make money, as you know, in talk shows. Um, you know, it's just it took Russ Limbaugh, I think, about 30 years to develop his brand and then to create his own IV network. Um, it's very difficult. You know, podcasting has been a real godsend for talk show hosts because, has, um, my golly, you can reach people and uh, build an audience and, and um, they get devoted. But primarily, Bob, it's um, storytelling for me. Um, that's Absolutely. a big part of what the Dale Carnegie program is, you know, storytelling. We, we help that. And it's such a huge part of business today it is, you know, Warren Buffett said, you must learn how to speak to groups of people if you want to be sex- successful in the 21st century. Not you need to, not you should. His words were you must. And, and that storytelling ability no matter where you learn it from, I mean, that's awesome. I do a workshop that we we sell uh, called The Art of Storytelling. And it, it is so much fun when you work with 20, 25 people who just watch that thing click where they get it, you know, where they <laughs> see how they can do it. It's amazing. Well, you know, I used to teach it at, the, I used to teach it at Santa Fe College and called uh, Fiction Writing. And and um, invariably, the first thing that the, the so-called writer wanted, had to get over is they wanted to explain everything. I said, you don't have to even understand what you're saying. You just have to show it to us and uh, and render it to us. So uh, you don't have to actually we'll, we'll pick it up. You know, I mean, we'll, uh, we'll we'll get the point, if, you know, but put us there. That's the number one thing is put us there in the experience. and. And we called it reversing primary and secondary experience. In other words, you had the experience, but I got to have Bob Kazik had the experience. So I've got to get him in my shoes. And how am I going to do that? He doesn't have to understand the meaning of what I'm saying. He just has to be intrigued enough to want to be in it. And so, you know, it's a, I'll give you an example. It might be interesting to you. We just, I have cattle on my I have a little cattle farm here. And we recently had. Unfortunately, we had a, 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 a mother deliver a stillborn calf and we had to pull that calf out of the, out of the womb. And the calf often will destroy the nerves to the hind quarters of the cow and that cow never recovers from it. But we sat day and night, Bob, with that cow for a week. We camped out mm-hmm. and watched it and fed it, uh, that cow and watched it and fed it. This story got all over the rural network here. Uh, the farmer down the road came by, uh, you know, my brother brought his daughter and granddaughter out to see this thing, the story of the cow who can't get up, you know, it, it became, a, and, and, you know, they gave her a name, Bonnie, you know, uh, do I know the meaning of it? No, I don't know the meaning of why the cow was born. You follow me? I don't know yeah, the meaning of why you. the cow was born. The calf was born dead. I don't know why it happened. This is just the story. 
So this the is the ability to tell to share the story. Yeah, to share the share the story. And you know, people began to identify with the cow, you know, and identify and and, and mothers, you know, and it's this story. The vet came out to to to, uh, to to look at it. You know, it was really um, so. This is recently the best example of a story that I know of where you don't have to understand what you're saying. You can't understand this. Ultimately, it's it's you can't understand it. Um, you know, why did God make this cow's nerve vulnerable to the delivery of a calf? Amazing. And you know. We can't put a wheelchair on a cow. <laughs> on a human, Bob, we probably would. Well, okay, you'll be paralyzed from the hips down forever, and we'll put you in a chair, but we can't do that with a cow. No. I, now, I see dogs with those little, uh, that don't have high Dogs, maybe, yeah. With those little wheels on as they go. And go it has on. a sad ending. We had to put the cow down, you know. Sad. And, um, and that's a euphemism. We didn't, I'm not going to say how we did it, because it's pretty abrupt. You know, it's like... You know, but that's that's my example of a story. Now, my point, Bob, I could tell I just did tell the story. I could tell that story to an audience and the audience would take away from that all kinds of meanings. Yeah. And I wouldn't have to direct them to it. No, nope. no. Nope. And you don't care what meaning they take away. I don't from. care what meaning they get. It's so much like to me, it's like music. Uh, it, you know, you hear a song and growing up in radio, uh, it, you know, music, all genres of music were important to me. Yet the ones that resonated with me the most were storytellers, people that really told stories uh, and they painted pictures. And when that song is played, if there's 100 people listening to it, uh, there could be 100 different interpretations of what that was and how it'll, in, you know, impact their lives which is really what you know the storytelling art is is you're going to you're going to impact somebody and what they're going to take away from it you were mentioning earlier uh something about airplanes and you know one of the things that we share in some of our programs is that uh you know a, a good talk is like an airplane fight flight you remember the takeoff and the landing you don't remember everything in the middle, but you do remember taking off and you do remember landing. So that opening and the close must be impactful to grab people's attention and then leave them with something that they can take with them. So those are some of the things that, that we work on right in the program in the Dale Carnegie course also. Well, you know, it's, um, it's very interesting how ultimately it comes down to uh, some of the basic elements of any profession. And that's what Dale Carnegie seems to me you're doing. Uh, there's a core uh, uh, talent or uh, um, that is relevant to any discipline that you bring to the course. If you're going to go out and be a, um, an automobile mechanic, if you're going to go out and but it doesn't matter, you're still going to go out and relate to people. That's that's the big thing. To, to relate to people and and uh, it's it's some um, human beings we're all human beings and i wish we had more of that in the world i i i hope that dale carnegie course can sort of uh do that i bet it does do you have a diverse group of people in that class i bet you do do you not all the time uh diverse in many in many different ways uh you know diverse in uh, one of the great things I love about working in Alachua County and Gainesville is the melting pot of what is there as far as nationalities are concerned. And you know, sometimes it's challenging to me because I know English. I don't know any other <laughs> other language. And some individuals come to us and they know four or five different languages. So it, it's nice to have like Freddie Weeby's wife in the back of the room is one of our graduate assistants who knows, you know, Arabic, French, Spanish. She helps with some of those those things. And then other individuals within the program that are multilingual, that helps. So that's one way of diversity. We also have diversity as far as roles, like you were mentioning. We have receptionists. We have attorneys, engineers, 
people from all walks of life, business owners, new employees, and they all go through the program together. And that to me is just totally amazing to watch these individuals. Uh, One of my favorite stories is I was doing a a class in Lake City, Florida, uh, about 10 years ago or so, eight years ago. And I had the mayor of Lake City, Stephen Witt, in the class. And I had a young gentleman that the the uh, city hall had put in the class. He was an Eagle Scout. He was 15 years old. And here's this 15-year-old with the mayor, a council member, about six uh, sheriff's deputies, people from the hospital, people from HACO Aviation, all walks of life. And it was so impactful for him. Just absolutely amazing. And, uh, you know, I've had students as young as 15. Uh, I think I have a student that's going to be in this next class that's going to be close to 80. Uh, So we have people from all walks of life that come to it. Well, uh, let's talk about where it takes place. Where do you have this class? We are usually, we have it at Hotel Indigo. We had a couple of dates that they could not... uh, accommodate us. So we moved the entire class to Caldwell Banker, M.M. Parish Realty. Right. It's out uh, 5830 Northwest 39th Avenue. Okay. So that's where it will be. And it's right on the website. I'm pointing to the website right now. Uh, It's right there. Uh, And I've taught some classes there before. There's been some times that we've had to shift because of conflicts. Uh, and I've taught some, it, it is an awesome training room. They, they did it right. I'll tell you, they did it right. Well, if you give us the website link, Tammy will put it up here, I think, in the chat link. Uh, I think Tammy's listening on production, so we can put that in the chat line if you want. Jacksonville.dalecarnegie.com. Jacksonville.dalecarnegie.com. Okay. Correct. All right. And we'll that'll, that'll that get you right to where you need to be. Okay, we'll pop that up in the chat line here. Well, it's 9.57. We've got two or three minutes left. Anything you want to, any story you want to tell me before we go? I'm all here, brother. <laughs> you know, you mentioned really radio brought me to Central Florida. Uh, in 1995, uh, two partners of mine, Tim Moore and Ernie Wynn, and I purchased a radio station from a gentleman by the name of Steve Allison, uh, which was Live FM, and we turned it into Wind FM. That was our program. I was okay. a managing partner. So I moved my family down here in 1995 from Michigan to put Wind FM on the air. And then a year later, we bought a uh, a signal from Eve Ackerman, and we simulcast, which was the first time that anybody had ever done anything like that. We actually, you'll appreciate this, Ward. We actually, when we went to commercial breaks, we had an Ocala commercial break and a Gainesville commercial break so that we could, you know, the smaller advertisers could still afford to be in both places. And uh, that's what, that's what really brought me to the area. And uh, I am forever thankful. We, we owned it for almost two years and then K country came in uh, and made us an offer that we couldn't refuse. Uh, and that was uh, that was a turning point. But throughout my entire radio career, after 1991, every one of my managers went through the Dale Carnegie class. It was just, you know, we didn't always have the best signal or, or you know, the coolest format, but we treated people differently. Yeah. People wanted to do business with us. And when they would ask me, what is your secret sauce? Back then, I wouldn't tell them. <laughs> of course, I tell everybody. But, uh, you know, it was that how to win friends and influence people. How do you really connect with people and make an everlasting impact on their life? And well, I, was very, I was very fortunate to have an old school radio guy as my partner on the air. And he'd been in radio forever and ever. And that was his profession. That was his life. And uh, I got to thinking about radio. All of you guys would end up knowing each other. Mm-hmm. And you might have been together at a station in Panama City. And then yeah. you were broke up. And then you were crossed paths maybe in, in the Tampa. 
you know. But there's only 20 people in radio. Yeah, I mean, my guy. change places all the time. I mean, my guy, everybody knew everybody. And I was always wishing that whoever had bought our station and, you know, bought me out, pulled the rug out from under me, would have been more sensitive to what we were doing. But, you know, I understand that the guy wanted to play electronic music. That flubbed, by the way. Electronic music did not go over. <laughs> it's not a, you know, the news talk is such a great programming tool. And a station that I was involved in in Michigan, the last one before I moved down here, our sister station, you had mentioned Rush Limbaugh, our sister station in Green Bay, which was WNFL at the time, the call letters NFL, which was cool. Yeah. Uh, I think they were the second station that signed Rush on. I don't remember who the first one was, but uh, I, I think that was the second station that signed Rush on. So we got invited to a lot of events early in his career. Well, we got to run, Bob. Don't go don't go we're out of time. It's been a great discussion. We'll have to get together and tell radio stories sometime. It's, Love to do uh, it. You know, it's really a it's a it's a special world. Let's put it this way, as you know, it's yeah. unique to itself. Bob Kanzak, who runs the Dale Carnegie course now, we've got the uh, site up on the uh, chat line here uh, on our web. So we've got to run. We're about a minute over, but that's okay because we're the men ones a minute over. <laughs> so thanks so much, Bob. Great talking. Thank you very much, Ward. Appreciate Have it. Have a great day. You all watching and listening. And uh, Warthog Command Center out.